Hello and welcome to KBOTAK, a short podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas with me, John. This episode, we're going to be talking about Pulgasal. In fact, I'll be doing some continuous Pulgasal coverage over the next few weeks as I am absorbed by this show. A lot of people are really loving it, but it has not had as much promotion or exposure as you might hope compared to other recent or current shows, at least from what I can see online. Um, Netflix at the moment are putting uh, The Silent Sea uh, at the front of everything right now. I'm going to be covering that as well. Uh, But Pulgasal has really struck a chord with me. Um, This is a TVN drama airing over there in South Korea, and we're getting it basically simultaneously, um, episode by episode, on Netflix, two episodes a week. I am going to be talking about the first two episodes this week, and there is more than enough uh, to fill an episode just talking about those. And uh, then as weeks go by, I will return to talk about uh, a couple or uh, maybe a few episodes at a time as this story comes together. So it plays out like a mix of The Witcher, Tokyo Ghoul, maybe a bit of Supernatural, as in it is a show about monsters and the supernatural, but with a lot of time dedicated to rich character interactions with some really dynamite, intense performances. Um, starring, you have Lee jin Ruk as Dan Hwa. Uh You may recognize this guy from Sweet Home. If you've uh, watched that on Netflix, he was the gangster who um, went up in the elevator to beat the tar out of uh, a random guy in his flat and uh, basically became a bit more of a hero as the series went on. Uh, you've got Kwon Nara as uh, Min Sang-un. Uh, she'll be familiar to watchers of shows like Itaewon Class and My Mister. Uh, Lee Jun as Ok Ul Tae uh, does not make an appearance in the first two episodes, um, but uh, he is uh, currently in Silent Sea as well, or, or did star in that, um, which dropped in its entirety on Netflix. Uh, you've got Kong Sung Yun as Tan Sol. Uh, and Chung Chin-yung as Dan Guk, who is the king from The King and the Clown, a fabulous uh, historical uh, period piece film set in the the Chosun dynasty, uh, which is uh, really funny, really entertaining uh, tragedy. Um, Really, really good, that one. Um, And Park Myung-shin as a shaman, uh, who is also quite important. I looked into some of the the background around this mythical creature of Pugasari, um, and it is a late Koryo uh, monster that kept getting bigger and bigger as it ate all of the metal around, um, which is quite weird. And and apparently it would go to villages and and burn the place down and it couldn't be killed. There's a lost 1962 kaiju film from South Korea called Bulgasari that told the story of an iron-eating monster in the late Koryo era, Um, although it was panned, and Bulgasari is also the name of a North Korean film that you might find interesting to read up on and Google. Both the kaiju in these films are spirits that can take physical form. Um, Bulgasari is... uh, named after the legendary creature of the same name, which is apparently derived from a Sino-Korean word, Pulgasal, which means cannot be killed, uh, or can be killed by fire, depending on which Chinese characters are used. 
Um, and apart from uh, the immortality, there's little resemblance to the characters in this drama. So in uh, the drama Pulgasal, Immortal Souls, to give it its full name, uh, Pulgasal is a curse. So when our lead, Tanwal, is in utero, his mother receives a curse and even attempts to have this baby eaten by another monster, uh, which there's lots of monsters roaming the land at, at the time. Um, one of them is this zombie-like creature uh, called the Chomagu, which is sort of glimpsed in the Koryo snow. Um, the creature is uh, frightened instead and runs off. And the mother hangs herself and the baby is rescued having been born as she died uh, and lives as a kind of shunned urchin. Uh, you fast forward to ten years later, um, you see that this village doesn't want him around, even his life is in danger and he has to run away. Um, but he grows up to be a monster hunter. He basically grows up to be Geralt. Um, and we see him exterminating uh, these creatures. Um, but his family is ultimately killed by the Bulgasal, who he has grown up in fear of, and she transfers the curse to him and takes his soul for herself. Um, Huel vows revenge on her and decides to kill uh, her every time she reincarnates. And the shaman who proclaimed him cursed since birth warns that because of this, those around him and the woman he hunts will be linked to him throughout their various lives as they reincarnate. So because of this... Um, concept of uh, firstly an immortal and secondly people uh, reincarnating again and again. The story of the first two episodes spans 600 years of history. So late Koryo, then early Chosun, as Hual becomes a general and a monster hunter. Then we see him again during the Japanese invasion later on in the Chosun dynasty. And finally in 2006 when he hunts down Sangun, which is the reincarnation of his stolen soul. Uh, and then that leads us up to the present day, 15 years later, when Sangun is uh, grown up. There's a lot to talk about and praise uh, with these first two episodes. Firstly, the visuals. Um, in terms of the cinematography, this is stunning. It's really artistically shot. The Koryo and Chosun sections are even more lavish than something like My Country, The New Age. Um, it's easily up there with Kingdom. Um, which uh, is known for its terrific aesthetics, but I think it's more stylized and kind of magical looking. Uh, there's a lot of saturation and bright color, and um, there's obviously been a lot of post-production gone into it. Um, but it's not only kind of studio trickery. They spent a long time shooting this uh, drama, and it shows. They only recently wrapped after the first couple of episodes aired. Um, and the camera work and the way scenes are framed is, is really uh, arresting. So in uh, one of these first two episodes, there's a moment of conflict be between Huel and his wife um, in the early uh, kind of Chosun period. Um, that articulates as a sword fight um, and as they're fighting each other it shows them from above and they're kind of wheeling around and uh, fighting back and forth then there's these really intimate angles that zooms in and it's kind of showing how their relationship has, has frayed and uh, become uh, something much more uh, tense and, and even based in, in violent conflict at that moment uh, there's loads of stuff like this um, really artistically um, kind of shot um, there's some good scary moments with dark forests and, and lurking creatures. But I think what, what showed the uh, really the quality of 
photography here is that as it transitions to 2006, which you would think would look a lot more mundane than this land of um, armor and cool long hair and you know bearded dudes uh, slicing each other up um, to just go into you know a modern day city, it still looks great because of all the saturated coloring and uh, you know all the camera angles and and the way it's showing you things from close up and the, and then far away. Um, I have nowhere near the vocabulary and, and knowledge uh, of, of filmmaking uh, to properly give this its due, uh, but it, it look, just looks like a really beautiful movie. Um, and uh, I thought that really that really showed. It, it wasn't like it kind of um, became a lot less interesting to look at when it got to you know 2006 and then 2021. Uh, still gorgeous. Um, and I'm into episode four of this, uh, which is available as as I'm recording this, and uh, yeah, s- still every episode looks fabulous. Secondly, the creature effects. Um, not sure how much of this we're going to get after the first two episodes. More, I hope. Um, but the first monster proper that you see, uh, like I mentioned, it looks like your classic zombie. It's feeding on the flesh of the dead in the snow. Um, really great uh, moment. It is called apparently a chomagu. Uh, it's proper scary. It's probably the creepiest thing on this show yet. It's very kingdom, um, you know, dead eyes in in this kind of rotting face. Uh, it it set it has a third eye in the middle of its head, um, and uh, so I tried to read around on this. According to Reddit, it is apparently it does exist in folklore, um, and it's a gluttonous monster. Um, but it seems that. You know what has been written about it doesn't go as far as actually eating human corpses. So I guess this is also influenced by um, some of what is uh, you know popular in TV at the moment. Obviously, zombies having a bit of a moment in uh, Korean uh, films and telly. There's another monster that controls the minds of soldiers to turn them against each other. Um, in a fantastic scene, you see Hual in in his full armor and regalia arrive to hurl a spear through a group of fighters to basically nail this thing to the ground. Um, it then reveals its real form. It's called uh, a Tuoxini, um, and this is where you get a, a full-on proper monster movie creature design. It's this great gluttonous, uh, warty beast of a thing. It's all fangs and jowls. It's got these staring, you know, awful-looking eyes kind of peeping out of its head. Um, really uh, fantastic, very B-movie very cool. Um, Apparently this is, in folklore, an evil being with red eyes. I couldn't find much more on the Tuoxini, um, but it seems like it might be connected to the Tokebi, uh, which is like a goblin. Um, But it looks great. There's a really clever moment when Huel actually takes this thing down after they have their final fight. Uh, This soaring orchestral score just sort of cuts out instantly, um, like the end of a a boss fight in Dark Souls. Um, So quite enjoyed that. I don't know why they did that, maybe they also like video games. So yeah, it looks great, um, and there's a complex story, but I think not too complicated. You'll you'll get on top of it um, as, uh, as you go through this. So 600 years ago, uh, you had all these countless human-eating monsters. Uh, they're all gone now, uh, as it turns out. Uh, Huel has uh, chopped them all up, uh, and he is now the last one, because he is Pulgasal, uh, and he cannot be killed. Um, So the first two episodes are basically setting up what is going to be a drama set in the modern day, um, but where Hual is hunting down the reincarnation of his own stolen soul. Um, In this world, uh, souls 
uh, themselves are immortal, they persist, and even in our ordinary modern lives, uh, reincarnated warriors and demons and heroes of hundreds of years in the past are walking around among us. Uh, and Hual has lived all this time on a single-minded quest for vengeance. For these first two episodes, I really thought this was more epic than anything I'd seen on Netflix's The Witcher series, which I actually love. Uh, it's not a, a ding on that series at all, but this was on another level. Uh, looked incredible, had a great sense of melodrama and stakes. Honestly, would I like this to be all about Huel hunting monsters in a historical Korean setting? Do I just want it to be The Witcher but in a fictionalised Chosun? Yes, absolutely. Uh, please make that program, someone. But it seems like the drama itself is going to be really good as well. Um, I should say, fair warning, the pace changes completely going into episode 3. Um, you've been having this rip-roaring kind of fantasy action show, um, and uh, suddenly it, it, it does turn into much more like what you'd expect from uh, a, a drama. Um, it's setting up the characters, there's a lot more conversation, um, there's uh, you know obviously no sword fights in sight, um, but there is uh, you know action punch-ups chases. Uh, there's a lot going on. It it doesn't screech to a halt completely. I have still been finding everything about it really gripping so far, and and I've been enjoying everything. But I just want to give you a fair warning there. Um, don't watch the first two episodes and then think that it's going to be like that all the way. And it makes it clear because it, it brings you up to speed with the, the modern day stuff at the end of episode two. So yeah, loving it. Just to mention on the acting, uh, first I wanted to shout out the the extras and all the kind of background characters and secondary characters. Uh, what I liked in the choreo section is that the acting is really exaggerated, it's quite sort of panto, um, like you see in some of the more comedic uh, you know, historical fiction stuff. And then it becomes stern and dramatic in the Cho Sun sections. You know, there's a, a lot of uh, good melodramatic films set around that era, and it almost matches the kind of the tone of the exaggerated tone of oral storytelling, and then the various historical films that that you see. And it seemed like, you know, if that was a directorial choice, I think that's extremely clever, um, just to kind of put you in the mindset of each uh, period of history. Uh, and the leads, Ijin Wook, Kwon Nara, they're really good. Um, I think Lee Jin Wook is well chosen. He's carving out a bit of a niche for himself with these stoic action roles. Um, as soon as I put this on, I was thinking actually I, I would have really liked Um Tae in this role as well. You know, with that gravelly voice, he'd be even more kind of Geralty, um, and his ability to menace or to communicate pain and empathy. You know, moment to moment, um, he's so good that guy. So I'd like to see maybe he can be the one who does the kind of dark fantasy historical monster slaying show. Um, that uh, somebody should definitely make but Ijin were good choice for this um, especially because kind of his physicality and uh, the way he looks he fits perfectly in, in each period which must have been a consideration as well whether he's a, a warrior and a general or he is trying to fit in as just a, a dude in the modern day um, so yeah all really good I mean you could watch these first two episodes and just get a 2.5 hour uh, film set in this mythologized historical Korean setting full of monsters and action and beautiful scenery, um, albeit with a weird ending as it's obviously setting up the, the continuation. But I recommend you continue, and I'm going to go into why further in uh, future episodes, because um, I'm looking forward to continue 
to talk about this. Um, but so much going on in just in the first two episodes alone, um, it merits its own uh, little episode here, little shout out. Um, so I hope that if you haven't checked it out, um, you will. Um, I've obviously gone through the broad strokes of the plot, um, but uh, we haven't really had, you know, we haven't really seen the mystery develop yet. It's uh, it, it's very much uh, beat by beat right now, and um, we're seeing what's going to happen. Episode three and four, there is there is some big stuff uh, being revealed, and uh, probably the next few episodes will be, you know, spoiler casty. So, I uh, hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope this has made you want to check out Pulgasal, especially if you like you know, Kingdom, The Witcher, things like that. Um, you can follow this show on at kbotakpod, that's K-B-O-T-A-K-P-O-D, on Twitter and Instagram. Retweets and shares are much appreciated. And best of all, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. I would love to read out your review on the show. Thanks for listening. Cheers.